welcome back and thanks again for tuning in to beyond the hardwood today's episode features mandy carver associate head coach at fresno state university and mandy and i take it back and talk about her childhood growing up in montana her time at idaho state where she's arguably one of the best to ever lace up or put on the jersey her opportunity with the detroit shock before embarking out on a seven-year career overseas breaking into the business and the lessons and relationships she has built along the way that has led her to where she is today so stay tuned as i tap in with mandy coming up next Coach, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for uh, letting me be a part of this. Kind of cool. Nah, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you had to get that work in before we got on this call. Well, yeah, you got to work out here at like 6 a.m. or it's too hot and you're not you're not going to make it. So I was about to say, what's what's the temperature like right now? It's 91 at 9 a.m. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time out to come on, and and let's go ahead and hop right into it. So, you're originally from Dillon, Montana. Did I say that right? You did. Good job. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So, um, how was it for you growing up in Montana? Um, you know, just kind of talk about your childhood growing up and. And, you know, was basketball for you a family thing or was it something you kind of just picked up on as a kid and stuck with it? Kind of talk to us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, growing up in Montana, there's not a lot to do. Um, I I was always tall um, and I always wanted to do sports that were not made for my body. And but no one ever told me, like, hmm, maybe you shouldn't do that. So I tried everything. I um, I tried gymnastics. And I went to a couple classes, and they finally were like, sorry, honey, you are way too big to do any of this stuff. <laughs> and I was so heartbroken. Um, you know, I ended up uh, trying softball. That wasn't really my thing. I did swimming, but swimming in Montana is uh, hard. You can do it for, like, two weeks out of the entire year. So that didn't really land. Mm. Um, I, did, I did dance. So, again, always wanting to do these things in eleven someone was like, um, you need to try basketball. So right. I did that and, uh, I've always kind of been a perfectionist. So, um, I spent a lot of time just, you know, perfecting my shot and, um, I had the ability to get into a gym. Um, my dad's a high school football coach, so I had access to get into a gym and, um, spent a lot of time just being able to, you know, shoot, mess around. Um, and I think that helped me develop and grow again, cause there's, there's limited things to do in the state of Montana. So, you know, and especially being indoors in the winter helps to have that ability. So, I was, um, about to was say. able to, <laughs> yeah. So was able to, um, kind of get more athletic as I, I grew and, um, again, being tall, it only made sense. For sure. I was about to say, I know those winners, uh, were probably crucial as well, huh? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's one thing I don't miss. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the cold and the snow. Um, and, you know, you get all bundled up to, to go outside, to get in the car, to go back inside, and you're either freezing or sweating. So don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, that's big time. That's big time. So I know. So you went to Beaverhead High School. That's a heck of a name for a school also. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was that experience for you playing in high school? Um, and when did you realize like you had a, a special talent for, for the game and, and it was something that you wanted to continue to pursue uh, after high school? So I think um, I was the kid like all through junior high. Again, I kind of came to athletics late um, trying to find my niche and so I was the kid like in junior high that wasn't good at all. Like it was like, oh, poor baby. She tried hard. She didn't fall over. Good job. You know, and mm -hmm. that, I, I didn't like that feeling. So I spent a lot of time 
um, in the gym, just kind of developing my game. And um, I had a pretty good jump from like eighth grade to my freshman year and um, kind of surprised myself and was able to, you know, be like, wow, I'm not too bad now. Um, But again, like back then and and the area I grew up in, we didn't have AAU or club basketball. So we did a lot of stuff with our team Mm -hmm. Um, and our team got really, really good. So um, my sophomore, junior and senior year, we were in three state championship uh, games. We only won one of them, but um, that was kind of unprecedented in the state at that time. So I was like, wow, I could maybe, you know, play, but I didn't have kind of like the big expectations of like, going what the levels were or you know like division one and and nai at that time i was like they're kind of all the same i didn't know that there was this big difference and what that all meant um and i also was pretty good at volleyball and track so i'm kind of looking around at all of those things um and then it just kind of all came together I, i took a visit to idaho state um, and again, not really ever wanting to stay in the state. And I know now that that was a big deal. Like the fact that I left the state um, and competed against two um, colleges that were in the state of Montana, that I guess that was a big deal. It mm-hmm. didn't really resonate with me at the time, but right. um, I was like, ooh, look at me. I'm going far away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I took a visit to Idaho State and the academics aligned with what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and so I kind of just was like, yeah, sure, I'll go there. That sounds good. And again, a lot of people were shocked by my decision, but, um, you know, when you find that fit and, um, the people that believe in you and you can make that connection, it, it made sense. Right. Right. And I was actually going to mention that cause I read an article, um, that said that, you know, you wanted to be a lady Grizz or even play in Montana state since they were close to home. Um, however, they, you know, never, offered you a scholarship and uh, you ended up at Idaho State. So how, how was that experience for you? Because obviously as a kid, you know, you know, it's it's always special when you get offered by a school that's in state, especially being from that that area. But, um, you know, for you, obviously it worked out in your favor going to Idaho State. And, and was it something for you as if like you played with a chip on your shoulder whenever you played against them in conference because they didn't offer you or what, what was that like? I think that's kind of how I always, I always played. I love it when people underestimate me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that fuels my, you know, competitiveness and and desire to be better. And that um, I think I, I I always played like that. And it was really hard to play on the road. So when I would go home, because I would have tons of people in the stands and then you have all the fans and people say crazy things. Like I feel so bad for our kids now Um, with all the social media and the message boards and, you know, we tell them to stay off of it because that is something that you can continually see and revisit. Like I just had people yelling stuff from the fans. So, I mean, that was like a passing moment, but um, that was, it was always hard. Just, you know, you always want to perform for your family and friends. And um, I think that was more of the pressure. Again, it was never like, um, I felt like I had to go prove something to those teams that I was playing against. It was more, I just wanted to um, make my family proud and my right. friends uh, for, because of their support throughout everything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, again, you know, you end up at Idaho state um, and you played for, I hope I don't butcher his name. Uh, Art, <laughs> you, Artie McNeely. Artie McNeely. Yeah. Artie she McAnally. was, yeah. She was a firecracker of a coach. <laughs> like, like five two passionate scared the mess out of me, you know, just with like that stare. Yeah. But um she was able to really get the best out of me with that, um, the way that she coached me. And she coached me really, really hard. Um, right. but I was so grateful and so appreciative of that because she was able to push me further than I could have ever imagined or pushed myself. Right. Right. So how was it or how would you describe it? You know, your first first time on campus, you know, as a college student, um, you know, having to adjust to a new atmosphere. How would you explain or uh, describe that experience for you? Yeah, I think it was um, I mean, I remember the first weekend I was at school, you know, you get all moved in and we had 
depression is like really difficult <laughs> to manage. And uh, so we all became really, really close. And I think that helped our adjustment. And we were from all over. So you. there was no one local in our freshman class. Right. Um, and so that we created a really strong bond. Um, and we had some great um, upperclassmen that kind of showed us the ropes and, and took us in under their wing. Um, and it made that adjustment process a lot quicker and a lot easier when you have that good leadership and that good kind of team chemistry. And uh, a lot of us are still really close to this day, which has been a few years. We don't need to do that now. But um, <laughs> that's what's so special about college athletics, and that's why I love to be a part of it still. No, nah, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if you are aware, but uh, – you're known to be the first superstar for the Idaho State women's basketball program. So, you know, actually everywhere I looked online, it validated you being big time uh, since you was a youngin. So I'm definitely going to need your signature, your autograph when uh, when it's all said and done. Coach, just giving you a heads up. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I got you. <laughs> uh, but but in your time there, um you know, you accomplished and helped take that program to new levels, you know, especially that 2000-2001 season when y'all beat BYU um, on the last second win. And then, you know, that sparks a 21-game winning streak for you all, leading y'all to be undefeated in the big sky and, you know, and eventually beat Montana in the conference championship. And, and then you all go on to your first ever NCAA tournament um, where you end up playing Vandy to end the season. So um, kind of talk about that season for you and what it meant to accomplish so much uh, in that year for that team. Yeah, I think it was kind of just the evolution of where we had like built the program to. Like you said, we, um, you know, my freshman year, we did okay. We won a little bit more than they had the year before. And then my sophomore year, we kind of um, shocked everyone and, and, and had a really great season. And we were able to build off of that uh, my junior year. And that's when when we beat BYU, it was kind of like, all right, that was the confidence boost that we needed um, to go into conference. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of a little bit naive and a little bit um, like we're kind of good, like a little bit. And I don't want to say cocky, but we had that like that, that swag that we yeah. was like, yeah, that we were like, wow, we're like we're not scared of anyone anymore. You know, we had kind of gotten to that point where we were like, yeah, we belong and we're good and we can do this. And again, it, it, um, it helped that we had a really good bench. So our bench pushed um, the, the starters and they were able to go in and there wasn't a drop off. And I think that was kind of the, the change that um, propelled us to those 21 games that we won in a row. And at that point we had had the longest winning streak in the nation um, that year, uh, division one men's or women's. So that was kind of a fun little um, streak to go on, but mm -hmm. really credit the, the, the full team effort because, um, you know, if someone got two fouls and had to come out, there was no drop off. And, and that really allowed us to, to go undefeated in conference, which was kind of crazy. I know how hard that is to do now. Again, being a coach, you always, like when you're a player, I don't think you realize some of those things. And now I'm like, dang. Right. <laughs> that was kind of special. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it ended up working out, you know, in your favor as well. Obviously, you know, your accomplishment and accolades are nothing short but impressive. And um, for those who are listening, Coach was a bucket, you know, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Coach, I figured out. I don't out know if you heard Oh, sorry. I don't no. know if you heard me say the other night, though, that my freshman year, the entire season, I had 11 assists. So, definitely <laughs> needed to work on my passing. <laughs> hey, we, we all we all got to get a little bit seasoned in, in certain parts of our game, Coach. It's all good. <laughs> but, but Coach, I'm going to put your business out there, man, because I was looking up your stuff. And, and again, like I said, it, it's nothing short of impressive. You know, over 1,500 points, almost 1,100 rebounds, 180 blocks, 51 double-doubles, three-time All-Sky, uh, Big Sky selection. You were Big Sky Player of the Year that 2000-2001 that uh, season. And not to mention, you know, named as one of the Big Sky Top 25 female athletes. So, uh, anybody that's listening to this, coach will give you a bucket. So I'm definitely going to be looking for that uh, autograph in the mail. All right. 
Um, <laughs> but you you know you finish out your your career, you graduate from college, and then going pro is the next thing on your bucket list. Where you end up getting an opportunity in the WNBA with the Detroit Shock for that year um, before going overseas to uh, you know play the rest of your your professional career over there. Um, so how was that year and that experience for you playing in the WNBA with Detroit? Um, and what did it teach you more than anything? Wow. I mean, I was just like beyond, um, like everything, like everything was just, wow. I can't even, my, my jaw was dropping every, every step of the way. I mean, I had some hall of famers that I was surrounded by I mean even so Sue Bird who's still playing like we did like pre-draft camp together and um you know like they're Olympic gold medalists and Swin Cash who now is with the um the Pelicans uh, on the men's side in um their front office like she was she was we we shared a, a rental car in Detroit during that time and just like those kind of things that kind of blows my mind that I was surrounded by such amazing athletes and, and strong females and that I got to be a part of that was just beyond exciting. I mean I have some pictures where Cheryl Swoops is guarding me and Rebecca Lobo's on help side. I always say like, Oh yeah, she's coming for the double but <laughs> phenomenal names that are hall of fame people um and i got to be in their presence just beyond beyond anything i could have ever imagined i mean i didn't i don't know that i could have dreamt that big um which is unfortunate um and i think the evolution of women's basketball now um our our, our female athletes are able to do that they are able to like dream about playing um at the next level and and what that looks like it was newer at that time so that's why i just kind of i i didn't even think that it was a possibility um and the right. fact that i got to play in europe for as long as i did and and all the experiences that that came with that i'm just like sometimes i think it's another lifetime because yeah. it seems so um amazing and special and just, I mean, I've got stories for days about all the places I've been and the, the people I've been able to meet and, and how that has, like, opened up my my mind and my world and the connections I've made from that are just amazing. And that's funny that you mentioned stories because that was actually where I was I was leading myself <laughs> into uh, <laughs> in regards to you playing overseas. Um <laughs> Obviously, you were there for seven seven years, and in that span, you know, you again, you had success with the teams you played with. Um, you know, you were a Swiss League and Latvian League MVP, two time All Star selection in Greece, and the Arabs Clubs Tournament MVP. Outside of any other accolades that you know I may have missed, you know, so you had a very successful career. Uh, but kind of talk about, you know, like you said, the experiences you gained while you were over there, because, you know, not a lot of people are able to say that they traveled to play in eight different countries or whatever the case may be. So kind of talk about how being overseas for that long, what it taught you about yourself. You know, what did the culture do for you and what did it open your eyes to? And, and what are some things from your experience over there that you um, still, you know, keep with you to this day yeah i mean it was i mean again such an amazing experience i i played in um france greece switzerland bulgaria latvia portugal and spain and i played with the lebanese national team in the arab world championships that were hosted in morocco which i have no affiliation to any of them so i i'm not quite sure how that worked out but um, yeah, so I was able, and I played in um, FIBA Cup, I played in the Baltic League, I played in the Adriatic League, um, so that afforded me the opportunity to literally travel to every European country. Um, I've been to Israel, like I said, Morocco, I've been to Russia, um, and that is just, and it, it wasn't like a tourist experience, it was like I was I was there. I was living there. Um, right. It it taught me how to be independent. It taught me um, how to uh, be adaptable. I mean, all of a sudden, I 
show up in, you know, France with six big, gigantic suitcases, and the guy picking me up doesn't speak English. He's got a barking dog. He hands me um, water that is like soda water, and <laughs> I have no cell phone. I don't know which way is up, and I'm going to this random city um, that's two hours uh, outside of Paris, and they take me to the team president, and he owns a mortuary, and I mean, that was like day one, and it, it only continues oh, to get more, um, <laughs> more exciting and, and diverse, and um, you know, it, it, it really helped me grow up, though, and yeah. um, so grateful for, for all of that, and I mean, I, again, I still have friends, and there's still fans that I have um, that I keep in touch with, because the fans in Europe are the best fans that I have ever been around. They support yes. their teams like none other. Yep. And it, it's amazing. I played for uh, a team in Greece and they're so passionate. Um, you know, they're, they're soccer fans. So a lot of the soccer clubs um, have affiliations with like women's basketball or men's basketball teams. And so if you're a fan of soccer, you're a fan of everything affiliated with that, that team, similar to, I guess you could say like a, a college um, but those fans would show up with like Molotov cocktails mm -hmm. and it, it was right. We had riot police at some of our games because of the, the, the tension between the fans of the, the opponents was so high. I mean, right. there was some things that are just unbelievable. It's like a movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm so. glad you mentioned that because <laughs> I know when I was in Spain, uh, especially my second year in Alicante, like you said, like usually there's like one team that's affiliated with that city or that province or whatever the case may be. And like the fans, it's almost as if like it, there's no fall off from which team they support more. You know, they they all are all at the games, you know, they, they'll bring the whole band in there. Everybody's getting, you know, at the little local bar right near the gym before yeah. to get turned up for the games. They got their scarves in there, yep. you know. Fans in there, yeah. I mean, it's it's another level. No, nah, for sure, for sure. Did you learn any uh, languages while you were over there? So I, um, when I was in France, I played there for um, a season and a half, and the part of my contract was they uh, got me lessons. So okay. I got pretty good. Um, I had a translator, but you know, he would be like, "You need to go for breakfast. Go for breakfast," and I'm like, ah, "What?" Oh, fast break. So, like, <laughs> those things, I need to go to the fast break. Okay. Um, those those things, it helped that I learned a little bit uh, better, even though I had a translator. Um, and I know some words in, in Greek, um, Portuguese, nothing. That was tough. And Spain, similar. Um, you know, and again, some of those, those words or phrases translate a little bit mm -hmm. uh, once you know them in one language. Uh, but Bulgarian and Latvian, no, no, not, not a word. Couldn't, couldn't say one thing. That was maybe. It. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was basically like I always say to like our players, like you know when uh, you see Love and Basketball and they're talking in the locker room and she turns and says like what what coach say and it's like you need to score. Oh, okay. That's that was kind right. of the, the most important thing. You're the American. You need to score. Um, and if you have 20 points or less, you didn't do your job. So right. that's kind of the, that's, if you know that you're good. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, so, I, well, let me ask you this, cause it, it goes back to the story. So, uh, give us one story, a funny story that you can, that comes to the top of your mind while you were overseas. Ooh, funny. Mm. Uh, I was in Latvia. And um, I, they were getting our cars prepared, um, and they were wrapping our cars with our face on them. Um, so with our face, like we were in, a, it had our jersey. I think you you know what I'm talking about when you see like it's like an advertisement yep. with the yeah. So they were so in the meantime, I had to drive a minivan while they were getting the car wrapped 
and on the minivan it was like carnival and it, it had all like these advertisements for carnival and I, I I got pulled over and again this is like really cell phones were around but not like they are today right um and the way they pull you over is they have like a like a, a little I don't even know how to explain it like a ruler with a little red stop sign on it it's not very big and they like the the cops kind of stand out in the street and they flip it over and that means you're supposed to stop well i i don't know anything i mean it, it, <laughs> i it was waving at me so right. i just kept going in like this minivan that's like decked out that says carnival so pull up to my apartment and pretty soon i'm surrounded by all these latvian police and i do not speak one word of anything that they're trying to say they are understanding me so eventually the team president and owners show up and and they took care of it and i will never drive a minivan for that reason <laughs> not, <laughs> not ever 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 again oh and then man. Eventually, you know we get these cars and my face in bright orange and purple is wrapped on this this car it was that was a wild horrible experience oh boy oh boy well (laughs) well that's definitely (laughs) that's definitely an experience definitely uh so so get to get back on topic so uh obviously you know you're finishing up your career um and then your final final year of playing um did you already know what you wanted to do once you retired from playing that you wanted to go into coaching or um, or was it kind of something you were trying to figure out? Um, was there kind of like a connection that kind of led you to, to Cal State Bakersfield? Um, kind of talk about that. Yeah, so I think um, I, I think I was always going to be a coach. I don't know that I knew that. I think I was um, maybe trying to kind of fight that, that natural progression into coaching. Um, so uh, before my senior year of college, I had the opportunity to work with Pete Newell. And uh, he's kind of like the, in, in my mind, like the godfather of post moves. He worked with Shaquille O'Neal and uh, Lisa Leslie. He um, won a national title um, at, at Cal in the 50s and, you know, did some stuff with the NBA. And, and so like kind of just this, great guy a lot of people um you know put him and john wooden they're like in that same category so the Mm -hmm. fact that i got to work with him before my senior year of college was like an amazing experience um and i continued to work with him um during the summers while i was home from playing professionally um and developed a really uh, great mentorship from him and his son, who was a high school coach um, in California. And he's still one of the, the great coaches that I, I get to talk to kind of about everything um, pretty frequently. We, we, we stay in contact. But because of that relationship, um, and they um, had worked with me and helped me, and they had a ton of relationships throughout coaching and, and every level, um, I was able to get an interview at Cal State Bakersfield um, and get into coaching. So it kind of kind of happened without me maybe pursuing it as hard as um, I should have. Right, right. And how was that transition for you um, going from, you know, just finishing your career as a player to now you're an assistant coach at Cal State Bakersfield? Um, kind of talk about, you know, that transition for you, because I know you were only there for a year. But again, y'all had some good success there. You know, you won over 20 games um, and then you made it to the WBI championship game before you ended up taking the, a spot at San Jose State. Uh, so kind of talk about that. Yeah, Um I think it was really hard that first year because I wanted these um, athletes to be able to do what I said um, when I said it the first time. And I wanted them to be able to do things that I had just finished doing. And so that maybe was unrealistic expectations. And that was a little bit difficult for me 
to kind of figure out how to have how to coach them and help them and teach them um, and have hold them to a standard and hold them accountable, but have realistic expectations yeah. um, for their abilities and you know what they were um, capable to learn how to do. Um, so that year was really really challenging for me and to step away from all of a sudden playing and now nobody told me when you coach basketball that you have to like do office work. Like I missed that whole thing. Like I have to have a computer and I got to do stuff in the office. No, I'm here to be on the court. Like what? <laughs> so <laughs> that was also a huge adjustment. Like I had to use right. Excel. Like, no, I'm a coach. I don't know how to use Excel. <laughs> now I have come a long way since then. And I, right. I realized that it's like 10% court, 90% other. Um, so then I really do value the time that we are in the gym and, and doing basketball stuff um, because of that. But, yeah, that was a huge, huge adjustment. And, uh, again, I think I had a huge growth um, after that year because uh, those those girls were were talented. Um, we were a Division One independent, so that meant that uh, we were not in the conference, which is really difficult to have games in January and February because no one wants to play you when they're in their conference right. um, season. So we were on the road a lot. Like we were just like, we'll take any game you can give us and it doesn't matter where it is. If it's on the moon, we'll travel there. Um, and that, I think, again, it helps me grow because I spent a lot of time um, getting to know those kids and it, it made me a better coach because of that. For sure. And, that, that's funny. Uh, you mentioned about the you didn't realize how much office work went into it because I was the same <laughs> way when I got into it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a coach, be on the court, play with them and stuff like this. And then I'm like, golly, I got to submit all these papers to compliance. And I'm just like, I don't know what the heck was going on. So that's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I know. There needs to be a disclaimer, like, hey, guys, you want to get into coaching? Well, make sure you know how to turn on your computer. Right. <laughs> That's actually more important. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So so you go to Saint, uh, San Jose State, and you're there for two years, and, um, you know, you leave there after two years, and that leads you to where you are today at Fresno State. To kind of talk to us, well, before we get – to your time at Fresno or you being at Fresno kind of talk about San Jose and, and what that did for you. Cause I know the success wasn't as, you know, it wasn't what you all wanted it to be, but again, you know, you're two years into the game. Now you're starting to get a little bit more polished with, you know, with, you know, being an assistant and getting a feel for what you're good at. So kind of talk to us about what those two years kind of taught you and how you started kind of finding yourself in uh, what you wanted to be. Yeah, I think um, the opportunity at, at San Jose State was was kind of the next step. We had done so well at Bakersfield, um, you know, being able to be in a conference and in a conference that um, had success on the West Coast and that level, you know, with football. Um, there's a lot of schools that, that don't have football, but when you have football, it just it, it means um, there's more opportunities for the women's programs. It's just kind of the, the honest truth of it all. And yeah. um, I, I was able to really learn a lot um, because it was kind of that next step, that next level. Um, and especially with like building relationships and um, and the recruiting piece, I think that really is, is somewhere at that time where I was able to like have my niche in, in that recruiting. Um, and, and I think that goes back to my time in Europe. You you have to be able to be open to have conversations with any and everyone and kind of listen to, to people's stories and, and tell your own. And that I think really helped me um, in the recruiting and um, helped me have success recruiting. We were able to get some, some top level kids um, that, that went there and um, they had great careers. And again, I'm still close with a lot of those players to this day. Um, and that's something that I made a priority for me as a coach. Um, uh, the players are the most important thing, and I developed these great relationships with them throughout the recruiting process and their families that um, that doesn't end the day they graduate or the day I move on to another to another job. 
Um, and that was so hard to be in the same conference. So San Jose State and Fresno State are in the same conference. And it was like I recruited these kids and they were just on the verge of developing into like, you know, top level talent. And then I come to Fresno State and those games where, where we had to play against them, it, it was so hard. I always say like doing the scout, it was like using um, evil for good because I knew those kids' tendencies upside down and inside out. And then, right. you know, I took that and I was telling our kids, like, hey, you know, you can frustrate her if you do this or, you know, close right, out this right. way and she's going to travel. And, and that, I just, oh, that, that's hard because I, I just, I loved those kids so much. And again, now I get to call them my friends, um, which is kind of special when that relationship evolves into that and um, able to still keep in touch with them. And, and I think that's so special about kind of what we do. That, that you can, you know, start to get to know someone when they're 16. And then that relationship changes into a close friendship by the time they're 26. That, uh, yeah. I think that's so cool. No, nah, for sure. For sure. And, and I appreciate you putting the emphasis on like the relationship part, because that's one thing, you know, that especially with coaches that I've been around that, you know, that they emphasize. And even like, for example, like the story that, um, that AB and you know Coach Tang always mention in regards to AB's first time you you know at Baylor how Coach Drew basically told him he wanted him to go have lunch with every player so he can start building those relationships and again it goes back to what you said you know it's important to have those relationships especially when you're going to be with them for their whole career and you know you're molding them to you know be the young men and women that going to leave that institution and go out there in society and, you know, hopefully be the change that, you know, that we need right now in this world. So. Exactly. exactly. I think that that's because, uh, you know, we are maybe a little bit older and wiser and hopefully that we can, you know, direct them into having, you know, open minds and, and speaking um, what they, you know, when they see wrongs and when they, they feel empowered to, to make those, changes and decisions and to be even a small part of that I think again so special for sure for sure so now we can kind of get to your time at Fresno you know you've been there for the past seven years is this year eight you're entering into or year seven year seven year yep. seven okay I got you and obviously in your time there Y'all have had some great success, um, three 20-win seasons, four postseason appearances, you know, three Mountain West Tournament Championship appearances as well. And, you know, most recently, y'all were the regular season champs after a 16-2 and record, conference record this year. Um, so how important has it been for you being at Fresno State um, and just that staff dynamic that's helped y'all to be so successful um, over these past seven years? Yeah, I mean, this this place is really special, um, especially for women's basketball. So one of the things about this place is we have phenomenal fan support. Like, I, I mean, I think there's probably a small amount of, of, of universities that get the community and, and fan support we have. Um, and that that makes it a fun environment to be a part of um, and to play in. Now, that comes with some challenges as well because we're, we're held to – a high standard. So um, we should be in championship games every yeah. year. We should be winning 20 plus games every year because of that support and because of the environment that we have. So um, I think having the, those expectations uh, make it fun to go to work every day, especially yeah. if you're a competitive person um, and you want to win. And you, you want that um, push and you want that drive. And that, I think, comes from our community. It comes from, you know, our, our administration. And those are just, like, that's the standard. Like, we have, you know, a lot of people talk about the gold standard. Like, that is, that's, you know, you, you come here to uh, play in championship games. You leave here with a championship. As a coach, as a player, uh, that, that is, that's just, we don't talk about anything else. That is how it is. Right. So um, knowing that that is the expectation, um, the people that we work with and are around us, 
um, because they know that's what it is, everyone um, comes to work with that mentality and works hard and works together. And we um, we have a kind of unique, fun, very, very diverse family um, of, of coaches and players. And I think that makes, makes it um, great to, to be a coach because I just get to learn from so many different people's backgrounds and experiences and it, it makes me better to be around that. You know, another aspect I realized about your um, program is the, you know, just the importance of player development, especially for you. You know, it's been such a key factor in a lot of y'all success. Obviously, y'all have had multiple, you know, Mountain West team selections and honorable mentions and defensive teams and all freshmen, you know, uh, players that, you know, have gotten that recognition. So what does it mean for you, your program and kind of your players? in regards to the importance of player development, you know, buying into what the coaching staff is is saying and, you know, translating that to the floor that has, you know, helped you all have that success. Yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, the players are our priority um, and that comes with the development as well. So we do um, a comprehensive development plan for each of our players that that does incorporate like, community service, um, academics, nutrition, kind of all of that. And we're constantly evolving that player development plan. Um, And we're meeting with the players so that they have input on their development as well. So if you say you want to be an MVP, okay, you want to be an MVP. This development plan looks significantly different than someone that, you know, I want to get on the floor or I want to, you know, maybe – hit 33s this season but if if you you say like i want to be great we're going to make that plan so that you are great and we're going to hold you accountable and push you to be great and that's different like that's a different standard um and we we've had a lot of success with um kind of that transparency and that honesty of hey this is what you said so remember when we had that talk, right. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's, it's going to be tough. But you want to be an MVP, this is the level we work at. And I think when you include them in those conversations and you put it down in a plan that they can see, and then, you know, you're constantly checking back to that plan, like, okay, this is, you know, where we're at week one. We need to be here by week four. Um, it's really easy for them to understand it and they see the why again a lot of kids these days they want to know like why am i doing this how come i have to do it this way well nope it goes back to the development plan because we are trying to get you to your goals and again it could be academically as well so you know you want to be pre-med well that's different so we've got to develop you and get you you know out meeting people networking you know thinking about uh medical school so it's it's not just the basketball piece either. Um, we have a lot of kids that are really passionate about uh, social justice right now. So we're working with different organizations to support them in those ways as well. So again, if they say something that they want to do, we're going to help them develop into that person or that player um, because that's our job. And that's, that's what we signed up for. And I think it's like the, the greatest thing um, to be able to help someone accomplish what they want to. No, for sure. And I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I know I saw a couple of videos that you even posted that your athletes put out in regards to social justices and, you know, just supporting what's going on right now. And, um, you know, I think that's that's big time, especially when the staff, you know, is foot to the pedal, you know, behind the players with something that means so much to them. You know, the fact that y'all have that type of relationship with y'all players to where you're open and transparent and and helping them in their dreams or whatever it may be uh, come true is is definitely important. And that's big time that y'all that y'all do that over there. So you know what I thought about after I when I was doing the research today, you were you were um you've been at Fresno for seven years, so you were there when uh Paul Watson Jr. and those guys on the men's side, Marvell Harris. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So those guys. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they put in work. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I know I, I uh, 
was playing with them um, when I was in Houston training back in 2015, and and we still keep in contact, you know, here and there. Um, good dudes, good dudes. So it it kind of, you know, triggered in my mind when I when I was uh, doing a little bit of research. I was like, wait, I was like, they were there at the same time. So she was seeing those guys all the time. So. Let me ask you this. So uh, during obviously during this time, you know, this pandemic and, and so forth, what are some things that you would say have helped you grow to become uh, the soon to be head coach that you want to be? Well, I think uh, the the Be Ready family has um, changed my life. I think the the network that I now have, I mean, it, it's doubled. Yeah. And the the learning and the growing I've been able to do from everybody's different platform. I mean, y'all on the men's side have it going on. Like you guys are the the way that you help each other and share and collaborate is is so inspiring to me. I mean, I've had more conversations about basketball and life uh, with with everyone that has just made me such a better person and such a better coach. Um, and some of those conversations where I was like, Oh, I didn't see it this way. And now I do like just uh, amazing to be a part of that. So I feel like I'm doing a lot of zoom and I'm on the phone <laughs> right. a lot and there's a group chat that's constantly going. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if one more person says that Beyonce is not the greatest, I don't know. I, I may have to kick <laughs> some people out of the family. So. <laughs> oh man. That was the that was the yesterday. I was like, "What? Destiny's Child is the greatest!" Like, stop. So that you know um, that was funny because I, I was that that was funny because I I like. Yesterday we had some some players moving in and stuff like that, so we were a little busy. Uh, but I look at in the group chat like later on that night, and I see like Destiny's Child, Beyonce, like it's like a full blown like debate going on, and I'm just sitting there laughing. I was, it had me in tears. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So, so I don't think so, I should I mean, say the- anything about Beyonce because I know like I'm all for Beyonce, but my girl is like the ultimate beehive like she's part of the beehive so any any slander beyonce slander like is not going they kicked out of the house oh for sure for sure (laughs) (laughs) oh i know yeah Uh, but all of this has just has again i have new lifelong friendships and and connections that um are are going to to help me grow uh, throughout the next years as a coach and a person. So, so grateful for all of that. Not for sure. For sure. And, you know, to round up and go ahead and finish this up, I don't want to hold you up for too much longer. Uh, What advice would you give a young woman or man who's, you know, who's striving to be in your position one day? Uh, I think the best advice I could uh, give is um, don't take no for an answer. So if, if this is something that you really want to do, figure out a way to, to do it. Be solution-based in your thinking. So, um, you know, there's so many coaches that would allow you to come watch a practice or want to help uh, you grow and, and develop. And, you know, it, it may take some volunteering or you just keep showing up and you're just not taking no, like, I want to do this. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show someone. I'm, I want to be in coaching. I want to, to make this uh, my career, my passion. Um, and if you really want to do it, you'll you'll find a way. And you just won't take no for an answer. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. Last, and, well, I got two things. But uh, have you have you walked the path that Coach Irvin had walked? <laughs> no. I'm not. I'm not trying to run through those grapevines. They're beautiful to look at. I drive by them and wave, and now every time I see them, I chuckle. But uh-uh, no, that's that's next level. I'm not in that kind of shape. Oh man, I I had to ask. That. I had to. Okay. If, no. if Coach Irvin, no. Irvin if, she, if she listens, Coach, I'm sorry. I had to ask that. Um, <laughs> but um. So, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here and kind of share your story and your journey to where you are and, and you know, just kind of give us a little bit of insight about you. Um, how I always end these is I always ask if you had to suggest one person 
to that should be on the show um, to kind of, you know, to share their story and just, you know, or that you just feel uh, needs to come on and just kind of let the platform know about who they are. Who would that be? So it's, it's someone outside the family, but uh, it's Lewis Wilson. So he was an assistant coach um, on the men's side at Idaho State. Okay. And um, he kind of took me under his wing uh, my senior year because my coaching staff uh, moved on and took a, a new job and we got a new staff. And uh, he helped me kind of that whole year and, and still have a close friendship to this day. Um, and he's now a Division Two head coach in Texas. So he um, he's a great guy, great, great man. And uh, I think he'd have some stories. No, for sure, for sure. So we'll definitely have to get that set up and, and get him on here for sure. So as long as you can kind of make that connection, we can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time out. I ain't going to hold you up. I know you got to get that AC going so you ain't burning up in that uh, California heat. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, for sure. But, Coach, I appreciate you again. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You take care. All right. Thanks again for tapping into Beyond the Hardwood. Just a quick reminder to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And also, be sure to follow the Beyond the Hardwood page on IG as we continue to build this platform. And until next time, remember, life goes beyond the hardwood.